0: From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's What the Job. I'm Matt Ray.
1: Burnout is really, it's it's really about um, your response to ongoing stress. And, and that's why we often see it in the work environment, because, you know, the work environment can be stressful at the best of times, but for some of us, the stresses are pretty persistent.
0: Studies show that over the past year, we have all been working more. We're putting in longer hours, answering more emails, sitting through more Zoom meetings than we ever imagined possible. Combine that with a global pandemic lingering in the background, and it's a recipe for stress. That's why this episode we're focusing on workplace burnout. What is burnout? Anyway, what causes it? And what can you do about it? To get answers to these questions and more, we turn to an expert on work and well-being, Professor Michelle Innes. What the job is made possible with the support of our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Did you know that through the TD Insurance Mellish Monics program, University of Alberta alumni are entitled to preferred rates on car, home, condo, and renter's insurance? Save even more by bundling your car and home insurance. To learn more about how you can save, please visit tdinsurance.com slash UAlberta alumni.
1: So what's your name and what's your job? I'm Michelle Innes. I'm the Assistant Dean, Equity, Diversity and Inclusion in the School of Business at the University of Alberta. And I'm also um, an an assistant, I'm sorry, an Associate Professor in Strategy, Entrepreneurship and Management.
0: And today you've joined us for a special episode about burnout, workplace burnout. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we get to that, can you just talk a little bit about your sort of education and research background and how you got into learning more about burnout?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So I did my doctoral work at the Queen's School of Business. It's now called the Smith School of Business. And uh, there I actually did a double major PhD in organizational behavior and in social psychology, respectively. And um, But really, my focus was in organizational behavior. That was the focus of my dissertation. And my area of interest is in well-being in the workplace. So, So it fits quite nicely here. And um, my research over the years has been in different areas, but I've done, you know, quite a bit of research on what I call the dark sides of organizational life. So workplace um, aggression, substance use at work, things like that. Um, But also on the flip side, I've looked at positive psychology. So what helps people to thrive in their jobs, really love their jobs. And more recently, I've been involved in, um, in research that focuses on equity, diversity, and inclusion. And specifically, um, most of my research in that area has been in, on women in un, uh, underrepresented fields.
0: That's excellent. I'm curious. I know we're going to get to burnout, but I always am fascinated by why our guests do what they do. How did you get into that kind of research? What was it that made you want to look at what you described as the dark side of workplaces?
1: (laughs) You know... um... I think that, you know, originally I didn't set out to do necessarily a PhD in organizational behavior or on um, work and well-being. I originally intended to pursue a PhD in psychology, maybe become a therapist, something like that, Um, or maybe a professor, but I was really squarely interested in psychology. But as I, you know, learned more and thought more about, you know, my desire to kind of think about what makes people thrive and do better in life. Um, I came to the recognition that you know, we spend a good portion of our adult lives at work, and what happens to us at work can really help facilitate or undermine our well-being. So that, that encouraged me to focus on the world of work. Um, and in terms of you know why the dark sides, well, I don't know. I think that um, I think that there's I, I can't really say why the dark sides. I, it just kind of intrigued me um, from the beginning of you know. You know why it is that people will, you know, will resort to activities that we think are unconscionable um, because of, or maybe, um, well, in a certain work context, right? Like, what is it about certain work contexts that are really encouraging negative, bad, or unethical behavior? um, Was just, you know, it just seemed to be a fascinating question for me. But then, as I, as I got more and more into understanding some of those factors. Um, my attention started to turn to okay well if we can identify what makes people do not good things maybe we can also identify um, what what sorts of things make people thrive so so yeah, I kind of had these two concurrent um, areas that that interested me uh, equally
0: yeah offices are sort of, Strange laboratories, right? Weird social interactions. You have all these people of all types and you have to get along and you have to interact and you're under stress for different reasons and how people respond to that is, uh, is fascinating.
1: It is. It's fascinating. And it's fascinating to see how, how um, authority figures, how leaders and managers at work can really um, contribute to that um, and, and kind of help, help people along to do better.
0: Today we're talking about burnout, so I will get to that. We are, it's March 19th as we record this. Uh, A year ago, I was just starting to work from home, so many of us were. That's been a tough change. Now we're kind of getting to the point where maybe we're getting ready to go back to work, which I think is also a strangely in reverse stressful situation for a lot of people. I know I'm wondering how my dog is going to do leaving it at home all day when we've all been home for a year. I'm curious, though, if we can just get a sense, burnout is a word we hear a lot. Uh, I'm certainly we've seen our share of HR presentations on burnout and how and how we can maybe help reduce that. But I'm curious if you could just talk about in general, what is burnout?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so, so I think a lot of times when people use the word burnout or they say they're burnt out, what they may mean is that they're they're tired, they're a little bit overwhelmed from, you know, maybe they've had a very very demanding day or period of time at work. Um, but burnout's actually a little bit more, um, I might say, serious than that. It's actually kind of a syndrome that certainly involves. Um, The feeling of being exhausted, but it tends to be a relatively persistent feeling of exhaustion, but it's also one that's accompanied by um, what, what we sometimes call cynicism, like it's this feeling of really becoming detached from your work, um, where maybe you know you were in a job that at one point was really meaningful to you, and it's lost a lot of its meaning and purpose, or you saw the potential to really, um, you know, to benefit others through your work, and now you're just not seeing or caring much about the benefit that you can provide anymore, um, and it's also just this feeling of being inefficacious, like you just can't, you know, you're not accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish, or you're feeling, um, you know, you're, you're sort of questioning your skills or your competencies. So it's really this whole kind of cluster of feeling that I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, spent, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm drained of all energy, and I'm starting to care a little bit less, Um, my job just matters a little bit less and I'm not perhaps doing what I had hoped to do anyway.
0: That's fascinating because I think a lot of people would think burnout is just, Oh, I have so much work to do. I'm working all the time, but it seems like there's also, uh, that element of of feeling sort of helpless, but also that your work isn't purposeful or meaningful.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, it's, it's there's a difference between, you know, feeling truly burnt out where you have this kind of persistent feeling that you're not sure how you're going to shake or manage versus, you know, I think what we all feel at some point or another, which is that, yeah, we've had a really (laughs) demanding day. We need to take a break. The weekend will help us and then we'll feel somewhat replenished. Um, And burnout just is a little bit more persistent than that.
0: What are some of the ways that we can recognize burnout as we experience it? And is it more than just like, do we have to start checking ourselves for cynicism or, or how do we decide that I'm feeling burned out? And I guess on top of that, and sorry to ask two questions at once, um, how do we differentiate between, say, burnout and and something like depression or are they the same? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that they're, I think that they're different from each other. But in terms of recognizing it, yeah, I mean, I think that it is things like, you know, feeling like, you know, you have this persistent sense of exhaustion that just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like it's going to get better doing what you continue to do day in and day out. And that, you know, you just are feeling a little bit less engaged in in your job you just care a little bit less than or maybe a lot less than you used to um, uh, you know a a while ago so there is I think you use the word that you're feeling a little bit helpless and I think that that's a part of it but I would say you know probably one of the one of the big differences between burnout and depression is that, you know, depression can really result from a lot of different things. It could be the environment, like maybe you've, you know, something very upsetting in your life has just happened that's, that's causing you, or you can say that that was a trigger to feeling depressed. But being depressed could also just be, you know, there's a chemical imbalance that needs to be taken care of. Whereas burnout is really, it's, it's really about um, your response to ongoing stress. And, and that's why we often see it in the work environment because you know the work environment can be stressful at the best of times, but for some of us, the stresses are pretty persistent. And
0: thinking about stresses and what causes those stresses, what are some of the systemic factors that lead to burnout in the workplace?
1: Yeah, so actually, we know quite a bit about um, the factors that that cause burnout, and there's, there's several of them. So, um, so one such factor would be if you just kind of lack a sense of control over your own work. So, you know, we all want to have a little bit of autonomy over, you know, we know we have tasks to do, but we want to be able to make decisions about how we prioritize our tasks and how we actually tackle them and get them done. Um, and you know, in, and in some cases, we're, you know, fortunate and we're in jobs where we can make those decisions for ourselves. But for some people, you know, they may be in a, in a job where they're micromanaged, where they have, you know, a manager that's constantly sort of breathing down their back saying, you know, this is what you have to do now. This is how you need to do it. And when, you know, we try to exert some autonomy, it gets and in those kinds of situations that can be wearing after a while so that can that's one factor Um, you know I I think the sort of classic um, you know factor that we all think about when we think about burnout is being overworked and I would say really any extremes in activity whether it's being overworked or underworked can both contribute to burnout so you know, in terms of being overworked or overloaded, like if you just feel like, you know, from day to day I'm working, I'm working at a a, a fairly you know quick pace, but the volume of work just never ceases. I can't keep up with it. You know, that's a, a recipe for burnout. But on the flip side, you know, if you have, um, if you're really bored at work all day and you're sitting there and you're going, well, I don't really know why I'm here, that can really grate at your sense of efficacy or accomplishment, and that too can can lead to burnout. Um, another factor that's that's huge in the workplace is the relationships that we have at work, and those can those those can be great, but those can also be toxic so if you're kind of going to work every day and feeling like you know wow i can't trust my colleagues maybe they're um or or my boss right so maybe they're being um they they might be bullying me or being you know aggressive or um sabotaging me i can't trust them for for one reason or another that can certainly wear on a person after a while particularly since um, one of the ways of kind of helping with burnout is having social interaction and positive social interactions. So if you're kind of confronting that every day, that can take an emotional toll and, um, and be quite wearing. Um, and there's other things too, like, you know, are you treated with fairness? Are you treated with dignity? Um, you know, that matters a lot. Um, is your workplace doing things that, you know, are outside of your value system or make you feel uncomfortable? So if you're, you know, sort of witnessing unethical behavior in the workplace, that can actually contribute as well.
0: This is really fascinating and kind of not what I expected. It's But it may, it resonates, especially when you were talking about how not having any work can also stress you out and lead to burnout because you're wondering what you're doing and why you're there. And it's true. I, I, I don't know if people had really considered that. It seems like though, then I'm wondering from the sort of boss's standpoint, how do you, if you are, if you have reports and you have employees and you're concerned about them, what, what should you be watching for? And how can you change to help, um, I guess help your employees not feel burnt out.
1: Yeah, well, I love that question because um, because I think that a lot of times when people are are experiencing burnout, they're um, they're advised to really take care of themselves, and and that is a really important part of you know kind of coping with with burnout. But really, burnout is a, a systemic problem it's a problem of the context or the workplace that you're in and so there's there's quite a lot that managers can can do and that they can they, they can look for um, and you know just as I was kind of talking about some of those factors that link to burnout um, you know anytime you know managers are kind of seeing it or even when they're just planning, Um, what work looks like in their unit or whatever, they can think about how to mitigate some of those factors. So, you know, one thing is, you know, I mentioned workload, right? So being overworked or underworked. So, you know, just really paying attention to what people are being asked to do on a day-to-day basis and, and asking the question, is this workload sustainable? Um, it can help a lot and and if you feel like it's not sustainable if you feel like you know it's it's not he- what i'm asking or what what i'm asking some person or people in my unit to do is not going to be sustainable in the long term because it's it's an unhealthy volume of work or you know on the flip side you know this person's just sitting there all day and i'm noticing that <laughs> um how can work be redistributed so that that person feels a greater sense of contribution. So really thinking in terms of healthy, sustainable workloads is, is, is key to this. Um, Also just encouraging managers to, you know, and maybe even coaching managers a little bit on an, on a management style that enables employees to have some discretion and autonomy over their jobs. So instead of, you know, you know, being there at every moment, just checking on what employees are doing and correcting everything that you think should be done a different way. You know, a better model may be to allow managers to just sort of step back a little bit and trust the employee to get the job done. And that's not to say that the employee isn't ultimately responsible for for his or her work. Um, You know, you would be expected to produce some outcomes within a time frame, and managers would be key to ensuring that that happens. But maybe they could do it with periodic check-ins rather than, um, you know, sort of breathing down the the, uh, the employees' backs as they're trying to to get their work done. Um, you know, showing appreciation is something that, you know, managers can can do or make sure that, you know, is, is getting done. You know, a lot of times when people are burnt out, they just feel like, you know, I'm really trying to work hard. I'm trying to produce quality work. Nobody notices. I've contributed ideas, nobody cares, or nobody, you know, says anything about it or follows through, or the idea worse still has been taken from me and credited to someone else, right? So that sense of unfairness. So just making sure that you know employee contributions are really are really that you're demonstrating that you really appreciate those things, even maybe advocating for employees to other managers or more senior managers. Um, can, be, can be wonderful, and, and making sure that you're treating people with dignity and respect. I would say another really key piece here is to encourage really open lines of communication between employees and managers so that if an employee is feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been overworked or I'm getting so much work and my colleague is not, that at least that employee can come to the manager and sort of voice their, their concerns and, um, you know, and ask for some, some solutions maybe to be worked on together.
0: It seems like communication is, is just essential for helping resolve this from both sides and hopefully in, uh, honest communication to, to try to pave the way there. Uh, and it's also just fascinating to me how much of a, uh, a kind of almost delicate balance there is to all this you know i'm sure managers are also under a lot of pressure to meet their deadlines and then they have staff underneath them that they have to respect and try to get there so very very difficult is there a lot of i mean, you may not even know the answer to this but um how are there a lot of training options for managers out there that they get the sort of training and how to manage <laughs> this sort of thing
1: you know, I'm I'm not really sure specifically about training, although I would imagine that that is that is something um, that that would be offered out there. What I can say though is that you know, burnout is an area of of research that's certainly been um, thriving for several decades. There's a lot of good information out there available to managers um, in all sorts of through all sorts of media that, that that can be accessed to help them do a better job.
0: I'm curious about the research too, because you you know you've been in it and everything and. Uh... I'm just kind of curious about what the perspectives of burnout have been, and how it's evolved, and how we've come to this place of uh, understanding burnout. Now, has or, or have we for the last you know decades or so been pretty firm on on the research of what burnout is and how it's recognized?
1: Yeah, I mean it's been pretty consistent, I would say. Um, you know, the only thing that I I see as as evolving is, um, you know, there's Research on burnout has been around for a while, but um, kind of much like my own research trajectory over the years, researchers have sort of questioned, well, you know, is there an antithesis to burnout? Is there sort of a way we can conceptualize, you know, thriving at work? And is that the opposite of burnout? And so we do know some things about that. Um, But I would say that where, you know, some questions still lie, um, is that there's debate on whether Whether thriving really, in fact, is the antithesis of burnout (laughs) um, or whether they can, they're certainly negatively related, but it's, yeah, the jury's out a little bit on that.
0: I'm also curious how subjective the feeling of burnout is. I mean, if you had two employees, could it be that one uh, thrives based on the style of management while the other feels burned out?
1: I mean, I guess I guess that would be possible, and everybody's a little bit different. Um, but it's really, you know, burnout really follows from this, you know, prolonged stress. So I would say that, you know, what we would typically consider to be, you know, stressful situations at work would be those things that, from you know, for many people, would lead to burnout. There's some people that are just super, you know, resilient and figure out ways of coping with that. Mm. But I want to be really careful there, too, because even though they may have some resilience and they may be able to cope, it's still not an ideal work environment to, to create. So if we're thinking about those factors that lead to burnout, I wouldn't, as a manager, want to just hope that I have really super resilient employees. <laughs> Instead, I would you know, want to do my best to ensure that the work environment that I'm, I'm creating um, is one where people are, are probably less likely to, to experience burnout.
0: And speaking of people who are likely to experience or less likely, I'm, I'm also very curious about how different groups experience burnout and whether they experience it differently. And you, you talked a little bit about um, women in the workplace. Do, if, if there are women working in say a male dominated field, are they more likely to experience burnout just because of the situation they're in or is it, uh, does it matter?
1: Yeah. Um, it can be hard. And, and some of the, you know, some of the reasons may be around, you know, experiencing microaggression from other people. So again, you know, those kind of, those kinds of social relationships I was talking about, um, you know, it is, it is often the case for women in underrepresented uh, fields that they will, they will experience some stereotyping, some microaggressions, um, where they may not be given as much of a voice at the table. It might be more challenging. Um, and also, you know, they may see fewer opportunities for reward in the sense that, um, you know, oftentimes you know, they may wonder what their career trajectory might look like moving forward. You know, it's um, in the absence of having good advocates and things like that, you know, you may start to wonder, you know, is there opportunities for promotion or leadership um, in this environment? Uh,
0: We've talked a lot about... Burnout in the workplace and what it looks like and some of the factors that contributed to it. I'm interested also in the sort of, I guess, consequences or outcome of burnout, such as like, what are the downstream outcomes of burnout?
1: Yeah, so um, in terms of outcomes, there's really, you know, there's negative outcomes for certainly the individual who's experiencing burnout, if it's persistent Um, over time, but there's also really negative implications for the organizations themselves. Um, So we know, for example, that people who are burnt out are going to be less satisfied at work, not surprisingly. Um, They're more likely to think about leaving their jobs, and they're more likely to actually leave their jobs. So if as an organization, you kind of care about turnover and keeping turnover low or contained, you know, that should be that should be concerning. But even for employees who decide that, you know what, I'm going to stay in my job. Maybe I'm going to stay here because there's no other job opportunities, or maybe it's just kind of a default choice that I'm making. Um, The research shows that they tend to be less productive. They tend to produce less high quality, or or I guess I should say lower quality um, outcomes. And there's a certain contagion around burnout as well. So if you have, you know, a really burnt out uh work colleague um that person may be um you know less able to work well with you and with with your your fellow colleagues um more conflict might you know potentially erupt and if they're not able to contribute to their job the way you know one would expect then in a collaborative environment that can impact on everybody's outputs
0: yeah, it's interesting to me how it it really is a, a challenge for all aspects of the workplace. And if someone's feeling burnt out, it's there's no there's, there's no possible not like we'd come out here and say this is the podcast that tells you burnout is good, actually. But um, <laughs> you know, it's a problem that I think everyone wants to solve. And I think it really I know it feels like to me, and I don't know if there's research about this yet, but it does feel like to me that the pandemic just amplifies it all everyone's concerned also about their health they haven't been able to see loved ones i have i have a daughter who was born in the pandemic she's never met her grandparents these are these are stressors that because also i'm working at home i feel also carry over to my job
1: yeah absolutely and and it's it's so yeah the the pandemic you're absolutely right it has amplified burnout for many many people you know for some people it's been it's been, um, it's done the opposite. First, you know, if you think about people who are very introverted, who, you know, kind of, you know, were in a toxic work environment, and now can avoid that to a certain extent by working at home, where they're avoiding big commutes. For people like that, it's been okay. But for the vast majority of people, you know, the pandemic has brought on all sorts of different things. So um, you know, one of the things that came up very early on in the pandemic was, well, it, it can be very difficult to work from home if you have ch- little children at home. You know, so then, you know, whether they're schooling or whether they're preschoolers, they demand a lot of attention. So you have these competing demands. So that just takes, you know, the the sort of takes your work stressors and and just kind of amplifies it by by um, throwing at you these you know very competing big demands day in and day out Um, you know and for many people it's also you know we when we go to work we experience like social support and camaraderie and friendship and so for many of us that's been taken away and I, I think especially for people who live alone you know that might have been a big part of their social lives would have happened around the work environment so so that can certainly be problematic but you know to your point then you have people dealing with you know maybe their loved ones actually did become ill they might be dealing with mortality Um, They may be in a super stressful job, but there's no job opportunities anymore, or they may perceive that. um, And certainly, you know, there's certainly some reality to that. So yeah, it's created a really um, difficult situation for many people in terms of burnout.
0: I know we talked a lot about environments and uh, the work, who you're reporting to your manager and things like that. And those are are key um, influences on burnout. I just was also curious how effective self-care techniques are. Obviously, it seems clear that if the environment is incredibly bad for your burnout, that it's going to be a big detriment. But are things like, you know, yoga or going for walks, how effective are those at helping you?
1: Yeah, no, they're very helpful. In fact, it's been, you know, it's, it's often advised that for people who are burnt out, that these are, um, these are strategies that, you know, they'd be really encouraged to take on. So making sure you're getting, you know, exercise, making sure you're getting enough sleep, um, making sure that you're spending time with family and I mean, friends, to the extent that it's possible to do so right now. Um, But in normal times, family and friends, Yoga, um, meditation, mindfulness—all of these things are 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 certainly encouraged as a part of a, a regimen of self care to kind of recover from burnout. Um, but I would say, in addition to those things, I, I think it's really it's also really important to um, to really you know be reflective about what it is that led to the burnout in the first place like um it's it's tempting to say well it's just my job and my job is a stressful job but if you really get down to it and think about well what specifically is it about your job that's so super stressful that can be really helpful you might it might turn out that what's really bothering you is that you know you never have uninterrupted family time on in evenings or weekends and you know, if you're thinking about that, well, that's a problem that can be solved. Or if it's your workload, maybe it's a matter of redistributing things to the extent that that's possible. But it, you know, doing that reflection will allow you to kind of have, you know, better conversations with your manager about what you're experiencing and what might help.
0: Just to, uh, this has all been very great, by the way. And I'm learning so much. I knew I would, and I'm happy that I am learning a lot. Uh, uh, but just if we're going to wrap it up with a bit of summary, if someone has been listening to this episode and they're like, wow, you know what? This is really registering with me. I feel like perhaps I'm burned out. What what kind of action or what what do you think that they should do? What are some good first steps?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just, I guess, picking up, uh, picking up where I left off um, a second ago, you know i think that really figuring out what are the root causes of you know of your burnout is is key and and hopefully um, if you have a boss that you can approach and and chat with about these things that that you're able to do that i think you know self care is really important but sometimes i think too that you know, one thing we might have a little bit of, you know, perhaps easier control over is just our our patterns of work. So if you if you're somebody who is working overtime all the time, is there a way that you can cut back on that and give yourself a little bit more free time or time with your family and friends? Um, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't take breaks at work, is it possible to do that? Like even just a 15 minute coffee break or step outdoors? <laughs> um And um, just mentally separate yourself a little bit more. Um, These might be things that are fairly easy, I think, to to integrate into your your work patterns every day.
0: I know I said that was going to be the end, but I have another question because I just thought about it. There is often a sort of like, rise and grind kind of culture though right that idea that you should you should you should work extra hard and that is kind of the philosophy right no breaks and keep working towards the end and i wonder how much that competes with actually having to be honest about how your workload is is affecting or how much effort you're putting in or how few breaks you're actually taking because you're trying to i don't know live up to an ideal or something like that like
1: Yeah, yeah, um, no, you're 100% right. And actually, even the research shows that, you know, one, one sort of personal or or, or yeah, um, individual difference, I guess, characteristic that often leads to burnout is um, being a, a sort of a high achiever, right? If you're somebody who's really motivated to do well, to achieve, you know, you know, bigger important outcomes in in your life you're probably more likely to try to invest an awful lot in the work that you do so not surprisingly then it it can actually lead to burnout um you know and you know i know that um <laughs> trying to mitigate burnout may not be enough to hold back people who are are high achievers but i would encourage anybody who who thinks who fancies themselves a high high achiever, to just kind of think too about not just what you want to accomplish at work, but really what you want your life experience to be. Because we can all kind of, you know, we can all, um, you know, run ourselves ragged trying to achieve certain types of professional outcomes. But at the end of the day, if we lose other things in the process if we lose our health our well-being if we lose relationships if we lose hobbies um at the end of the day i'm not sure we've done ourselves any favors
0: i think that's great and i'm so appreciative of you coming on the show today and sharing this advice certainly enlightening stuff for me thank you so much
1: oh thank you so much this is a pleasure
0: Thanks for listening to this special episode of What the Job? And thanks to our guest, Professor Michelle Innes, for talking to us about workplace burnout. And as always, a reminder, the best place for alumni to connect with other alumni about jobs, mentorship, or volunteer opportunities is the online platform Switchboard. It's free, and you can try it out today at uab.ca slash sboard. It's a great tool, no matter where you are in your career journey. That's it for this episode. For What The Job, I'm Matt Ray. See you next time.